Good morning and welcome to Leading Edge Medicine with Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat. Leading Edge Medicine is sponsored by Longevity Medical Clinics and is devoted to helping you feel and function better tomorrow than you do today by providing the newest and most advanced medical care designed to improve both your body and your brain. Leading Edge Medicine will keep you informed regarding the very latest developments in science and medicine while highlighting some of the Northwest's most prominent physicians, all while helping you separate the science from the silly and the facts from the fiction. This is live call-in radio at its very best, giving you the opportunity to participate in the show. Now, here are your hosts for Leading Edge Medicine, Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat, along with their co-host, Lynette Morgan. Ellen in for Lynette this week has a week off, spending some time with her family, I think, in Cannon Beach, Oregon. And uh, we both uh, visit the same area for vacation. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Hey, Colin, what, but the water is still cold. Mark, water is still no cold. No matter what. <laughs> and a little foamier than normal this oh, year. Oh, really? Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Hey, we've got uh, some lines open for you with your medical question right now for Dr. Mixon, Dr. Umat, and also in studio this week, Dr. Brazel. That's 800-465-8770. I heard some talk about some new information about weight loss, Dr. Yeah, super excited (laughs) about it. Jerry, you want to kick us off? Okay. (laughs) Well, I think uh, we've got several things. One is obviously the Ozempic and the related drugs, such as Marjuna and so on. But um, more prosaic is some of the testing that, we every doctor has done for God, what, 60, 70 years, which is just your thyroid test, your TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. TSH is a simple test. It's dirt cheap. Every doctor does it for every patient during your annual exam. And thyroid stimulating hormone is just that. It's not a thyroid hormone. It's a pituitary hormone. But it's where your pituitary gland is is measuring how much thyroid hormone you've got in your bloodstream. If you need more, it raises your TSH. If you have enough, it lowers your TSH. And so people with a high TSH tend to have low amounts of thyroid in their system. People with low TSH have plenty. Well, the thyroid gland helps to regulate your metabolism how fast your heart is beating, how tense your muscles will get, how many calories are you burning during the day. And so people with a high TSH tend to gain weight because they don't have enough thyroid hormone. High TSH means low thyroid hormone, and that means weight gain. Cold, dry, fat, tired, fuzzy-headed, you know, low everything except weight, which is going up while everything else is slowing down. The normal TSH runs from 0.4 all the way up to 5.4. So in our clinic, we generally try to keep people down around 1 because that's a, a good area. It's well within the normal range, but it's where most young, lean, active people run. Um. And mine has been, I've been keeping mine there for years, but a month or two ago, my wife and I were out on the trail and we were taking our evening walk. And 
we, we walk for an hour or so every evening, just hold hands and talk and kick around our day. And she tells me about her day and I tell her about mine. But as we were walking along, four young men from the local college track team came running towards us in their shorts and no shirts. And I looked at these young men with their absolutely rock hard, flat 19 year old bellies. And I said, damn, that's a belly I want. Now, my belly's pretty good, but, you know, not that good. So <clears throat> I decided I was going to take off that last three or four pounds and get that belly for myself. But I couldn't get it to go. And I went and I checked my TSH, or I had Samara check my TSH, and I had drifted up from my standard about 1 to 2.4 more than twice what I like to be. So I raised my thyroid level a little bit to get my TSH back down to one, and those pounds coming right back off. Okay. Now, so, you know, it, it helps. It raises your metabolism so you burn more calories from the same activity. Because I already tend to be more active. I don't know how to get that much more active. I just needed some help to burn more calories while I was doing it. Samara, you have a little tail. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, the team has been wanting me to get my labs done for a while, and I keep getting this. In fact, it became a joke in the office. Everybody in the office was, when are you drawing your blood? <laughs> and so I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't go anywhere. I finally did do it, and um, I'm actually really glad I did it because uh, some of my labs were off, too. Even though I'm, you know, I'm providing information, I'm tracking things for patients, my TSH actually went up to 63 Three. Oh my goodness. Mm. I know. And it was like, okay, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> yes. Because, and for everybody, I want to use Samara <laughs> in some of the video films and stuff. And the camera always adds 10 pounds. And so I was saying, <laughs> Samara, my dear, I need you to get as lean as possible so that the camera, when it adds its weight, you're still going to look hot. And so. <laughs> camera doesn't lie. <laughs> And so, you know, she's now raised her thyroid hormone to get her TSH down. That's right. That's right. I um, actually mentioned to Dr. Brazel here, and then she was very kind enough, and she said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And so, yeah, just like I take care of you, Jerry. I had to wait for you she, to ask. Yeah, she That's took right. care of me, and uh, here we are. And actually, you know, I was telling Dr. Brazel the other day in the office that I've noticed a visible difference in my personality. It just kind of woke me up, and I didn't realize what was dragging me down. You know, you just go through your workday, and you don't pay attention to it. Um, and again, for me, the lesson here is that um, I'm in the business. This is my business, yes. and still, these things can happen. They slip. I like to compare the thyroid as the thermometer of the body, or maybe more like the thermostat. It kind of goes up, it goes down, it reads the room. What am I doing for food and sleep and stress mm -hmm. and toxins? Mm -hmm. So you can chase your thyroid hormone values with medicine, but you still have to do the work. Yes. So if you're not exercising, the weight's not going to come off by itself. If you're not sleeping, it's not going to compensate for your brain fog. You still have to do those things. But that TSH going up is telling you you're stressing out your body, making more 
more demands on it. So you have to respect it, but also support it. And sometimes straight up hormone replacement like thyroid medication is the answer. Right. And so little adjustments are very good. But for some of our patients that are older, over adjusting because they don't have enough energy can lead to some heart stuff. So we Indeed. do have to be careful that every lethargy is not responded to with more medication. Well, again, so, yeah. we're back to Dr. Mixon's first yeah. rule. Yeah. Anything strong enough to help is strong enough to hurt. Yeah. The proper dose of anything is just enough to do the job. Right. And if you don't measure, you swear, don't, you don't no. know. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> I, I get it. And I'm happy to use myself as an example. Um, but, you know, to your point, Dr. Brazel, the overdose, sometimes thyroid doesn't fix it all. And, yes, we can provide the tool. But you really have to go out and do the work yourself to mm-hmm. see the benefit. So when I, when I replace hormones, I'm expecting my patients who are now using that functional medicine approach, changing the diet and lifestyle, to see the results and the benefits of the hormone replacement therapy. It's not like, oh, I'll use the hormones and I'll be better. You have to work at being better and it'll become easier. So similarly with the thyroid too, again, we are always trying to make sure we get you to your optimal, but overcorrecting is dangerous. Not mm-hmm. just cardiac palpitations, but uh, bone demineralization is very mm-hmm. real. And you have to explain that to your patients that just pushing more thyroid is not the answer for everybody. No, it's not. But clearly a TSH of 6.3 is like, okay, girl, you need to do something. <laughs> As Dr. Mixon had mentioned before about some of the autoimmune disease, there's autoimmune thyroid disease. There is. Putting more hormone in is important. Certain types of hormones do different things in the balance, but overcorrection can cause some of the side effects we don't like, like osteoporosis and hair loss, which is a big complaint for many of our older patients, particularly ladies. Although with thyroid and hair loss, it goes both ways. Low thyroid causes hair loss, and high thyroid causes hair loss. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you got to stay in the middle. It's not a more is better every time. That's That's right. Subtle, and that's going back to the other things that contribute to the stressors. Yeah, yeah. And for uh, thyroid being, you know, an autoimmune disease, we do measure more factors than just the TSH. So for a thyroid panel in our clinic, we always look at TSH and your free T3 and free T4, and sometimes they will direct our course of therapy for you. Uh, so we're looking at the actual hormones that are performing function, not just the screen, which is the TSH. That's right. uh, and normally they go hand in hand, but sometimes they don't. And in those cases, we use our clinical judgment and or we will measure antibody levels, which will also tell us whether you have active autoimmune disease related to the thyroid gland or not. And if you have one, then you are prone to more. Yep. And like other glands, our thyroids become senescent over time. Mm-hmm. And so then there's all the other supports that we have for anti-aging that might come into play, like adrenal support mm-hmm. or anti-inflammatory so that it can function better. And senescent cell therapies. Absolutely. We have every expectation that there should be some positive response to your treatment because mm-hmm. the, the cells can now absorb them and respond appropriately. Yep. More medicine, does, if it's just bouncing off those receptors, isn't going to work for you. That's right. All right. Okay. Hey, we have all phone lines open. We'd like to take your call right now at 800-465-8770. 800-465-8770. The number to call with your question for Dr. Mixon, Dr. Umat, or Dr. Brazel, also in studio this week. Leading Edge Medicine brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinic. We'd love to take your call right now. 800 465 8770. 
back with more in just a moment. Aging gracefully is a terrible option. Learn to live to your fullest potential. It's a lot more fun. Call now with your questions at 1-800-465-8770. That's 1-800-465-8770. And stay tuned for more of the show. No matter your age, if you are looking to decrease your dependence on glasses at both distance and near, I suggest you go with experience. Pete Talbot here again for Dr. Michael Gilbert at Northwest Vision Institute in Bellevue and Kirkland. He's not just my ophthalmologist and my wife's, my son's, my friend's, and all my neighbor's, but he was just recently voted Best LASIK in 425 Magazine and has been voted Best Doc in Seattle Magazine many, many times. So whether it's LASIK or RLE or Advanced Cataract Surgery, Northwest Vision Institute will find the best option for you. So if you're over 40 or 50 and haven't had an eye exam for a year or more, here's something you simply won't get anywhere else, an advanced ocular exam. Not that simple eye exam everyone else does. So to schedule your advanced ocular exam, go online at nwvision.com or call 425-450-2020. 425-450-2020. You can. Welcome back to Leading Edge Medicine, brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinic. Dr. Mixon, Dr. Umat, and Dr. Brazel, all standing by to take your call right now at 800-465-8770. 800-465-8770. During the break, we were talking about the difficulty of getting Ozempic. And uh, what is driving that? I'm type 2 diabetic. I've been on Ozempic a couple of years now, but I, half the time I can't get it. It's on mm. back order everywhere. Every yeah. pharmacy says they well, don't have it. And that's because mm. it, uh, as one of its side effects, causes weight loss. Yeah. And let's face it, America wants to be leaner because we all know we're too damn fat. And uh, so there's an enormous number of people that are not diabetic using the drug and it's being used so prolific prolifically that uh it's all sold out there's none left over for the real diet so are these people getting yeah. uh prescriptions for it yeah to, to, to yeah. take it yeah. for weight loss yeah okay well, it will cause weight loss. We know that the GLP-1 agonists are the newest wave of medications, and you start slow and, and you increase the dose. But um, what it is doing is exactly what you said. For the original indication, you know, people are not getting it. Now, there are new class like Wegovi or Manjaro that are specifically designed for weight loss. You could, for people who are looking for weight loss medication, I think if they start asking for that, maybe it will ease up some of the demand that um, is being stressed well, on us. And the Manjaro right is actually about 50% more effective for weight loss, <laughs> yeah. for weight loss yeah. than the Ozempic. Hmm. So, you know, it's equally good for, for diabetics, but it's even better for weight loss. Yeah. The trick is, though, it's brand new. It's still under patent, and so you can't get a generic version of it. Some of the older ones have been around long enough that you can get generics out through Canada out of India. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Mm. And the Canadian pharmacies will carry an Indian generic version that you can have shipped down to the United States. Mm. But you have to contact the Canadian pharmacies for it. Mm. And some of the Canadian pharmacies are sticklers. They, they want 
a doctor to write the prescription who has a Canadian license, like you. No. <laughs> but others seem to have their own pet doctor who will write the prescription sight unseen <laughs> for Americans. Um, so, uh, are there pill forms of this too? There are. There Those is. Work as there well? is now a pill form out, and the studies show that the pill forms work. You need a higher dose. Because it has to go through your gut and you get some of it destroyed by the stomach acid and so on. So they takes a higher dose with the oral pill. Um, and I was hoping that we could get a generic oral pill made by the compounding pharmacy and save money. Yeah, I remember you talking that you were going to get it here maybe. But it turns out that when he checked on it, it cost him just as much for the raw power or powder. So, yeah, doing the pills through a compounder get, cost you just as much. On the other hand, maybe it could get you the re- maybe that he can get some of the raw pill as a generic, even when they're sold out of the shots. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't asked him about it. I'd have to check. I mean, weight loss is such an important topic, right? Um, and we have discussed this at our clinic for a long time. We have not prescribed the GLP-1 agonists as of date, simply because the side effect profile is huge and also what happens once the patient comes off of it, um, what is the cost of the medication and its availability. So these have been negatives that have prevented um, us from writing it and our patients from wanting to go on the therapies. But we are um, in the process of um, considering a weight loss program for our clinics. And we will launch that once the doctors are fully trained on that. I suspect that to come out in the next one to two months. Good. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, keep listening about it because I think it's important to do it right. I think it's important to have support when you're doing it. And uh, it shouldn't be a quick fix. It should always be uh, support with diet, with lifestyle, with education, with things that you can do outside of the medications because you're not going to want to stay on the drugs forever. So what happens when you come off of the drugs? What should you expect? How long should you stay on them? And should you even start them? Are there other things that you can? do and our team our physicians have been very successful without these drugs in their weight loss journeys for their patients and that's the whole point we want to be holistic in our approach for long-term success so i think that in the next couple of months by the time we get into the holiday season we should have a program where we can help you on your weight loss journey Okay, open up those phone lines at 800-465-8770. Your question about any medical uh, issue. And uh, we had some discussion about root canals earlier. And uh, Ray in Bothell on line one has a question about uh, this. Uh, Good morning, Ray. Morning. What's your question? Well, uh, you were talking about root canals. And my wife had a root canal 40-plus years ago. And recently started aching, that tooth did, and the doctor did an x-ray, and then he sent her over to a specialist because he says it's leaking and you need to know more about it. So the doctor looks at it, uh, does a PET scan or something, and says, yeah, you're uh, getting some erosion on the uh, bone in your jaw, and so you need an implant. So then he, the doctor who wants to do the implant says, well, you've got to get a full blood workup. And when that workup, the CBC came back, her, her white blood cell count was high at 10.87. 
her red blood cell count was uh, in the in the good zone, but uh, her hemostatin was high at forty seven point forty six point seven, but then her glucose was really high at one hundred twenty two, and she's okay. not diabetic. <laughs> and so the question is, should she get the stem the, the implant or not? And is it uh, are these blood returns something that should be um, prevent her from doing it at this time? Okay. Well, that white count is marginal high. It basically says that she's either got a stress reaction or she's got a low-grade infection somewhere. And, of course, an oral infection, yeah, it makes perfectly good sense. So you'd want to clear up the infection before you do the implant, obviously. The blood sugar, a fasting sugar of 122 is pre-diabetic sort of range. Uh, by definition, if your fasting sugar is consistently over 126, you're diabetic. She's right on that edge, but that's only one test. And you need a consistent, you need multiple tests. Better would be to get a hemoglobin A1C which tells you what her average sugar is running, not what this one isolated sugar is running. Okay, Okay. So, we do have that. Let me see where I had it. Her, her A1C sure was in fasting. good range. What is it? What is it? Uh, I don't. Uh, where are your papers? Uh, I don't have... <laughs> I, I had my own copy that I was marking up because I was doing a lot of research. <laughs> yeah. But all these readings are for because uh, I just, uh, yeah. okay. No. Yeah, well, the hemoglobin no, was hemoglobin A, A1C. Right. A, I got a, A1. Yeah, HGA1C. A1C. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's 5.5. 5.5, okay. So she's above our ideal, but she is not even a pre-diabetic range. So 5.5 is perfectly acceptable. So despite that isolated sugar, see, that sugar can go up with any stress reaction. And bacterial infections particularly. Right, yeah, right. So the fact that her white counts is a little high and her... Her uh, sugar, isolated sugar, is a little high. That tells me more infection than than diabetes. Well, if her if her where the root canal was, if that's leaking, which mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that, but if it's leaking, would that mm-hmm. indicate that she has an infection? Yeah, it certainly could be. Yes, yeah, the root canal was, could be the source of the infection. Well, again, if they're talking about an implant, what you you know what you'd probably do is you take out that first tooth, right. uh, treat it with antibiotics, uh, clear up the infection, and then put in the implant. Yeah, they may give oral antibiotics plus oral rinses. Yeah. It's usually a multi-stage okay. process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the implant is multi-stage, like Dr. Brazel mentioned. It's not like, a, you know, you go in once and you get it done. They have to look, they prep, and then they bring you back in after... It's yeah. ready for the implant, and then the cap takes a while. It's expensive and it's long. Yeah, but most people realize the first thing they'll do is to 
put a a titanium post, a, That's right. a metal post down into the jaw, into the bone. That comes, I think, stage two or three of that. Yeah. Yeah. First, they have yeah. to make sure it's all ready for that. Yeah, they, they, yeah, the area is not infected and is healed in, and there's good, solid bone there. And then they put in the post, and then once that heals, then they put on the cap. If she's losing bone, then they might even do a bone graft for her first before they put the implant in because they have to have enough bony support for the implant. Yep. And if she's lost that, then they'll talk to you about putting bone grafting in. But on all yep. of that goes on hold until the infection's cleared up. That's right. Nobody wants to operate in an infected site. Mm -hmm. And, and the, uh, she's going to do a follow-up blood test because... Um, her uh, primary care says, oh, well, you got to go see a naturopath because it's your hormones. And for us, we thought that has got to be crazy. But, of course, the uh, <laughs> ERP, uh, primary care, is they're, they're anti-hormone. Um, so anyway, then the naturopath says, well, I think you got parasites. That's why your blood counts up. And so <laughs> we're getting really confused here. But the doctor who's supposed to do the operation says mm -hmm. he looked at uh, all the information and he says it looks to me like your jawbone is is going to be great we'll know for sure when we get in there but we don't see a problem with you having to have a bone graft at least that's what it looks like at this time so would he be the one that does, that makes sure that every, all the um well, uh, if the infection if the, or whatever it is uh, is gone. Yeah. Well, yeah. the dentist, whoever's going to do the surgical procedure, is the one who makes the final decision that everything is where they want it to be. Mm -hmm. Because okay, the surgeon is the one who's going to take the rap if things go wrong. Mm -hmm. So, so they get to make the final decision of when they work. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> right. I, I guess the question is if. If there's a new blood test and the white blood count is still up, although you said mm -hmm. that stress could cause that, and my wife gets stressed real easy. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, um, well, we'll start with the repeat if, blood tests. Beg your pardon? Start with the repeat blood tests. Okay. Right. Whenever, whenever you get a blood test that says something is wrong, give it a little time, repeat the test. Okay. Our bodies are pretty darn good at cleaning up whatever messes we get them into. And so quite often you'll have something, your body will clean it up on its own, and you repeat the test, and it says, oh, guess what? It's fixed. Go ahead and do what you need to do. So don't panic. Don't get too much in a dither. Just let them go back and repeat the test and see if which way it's going. If the values are, are going up and getting worse, well, then... You darn well better intervene, but if they're if they're dropping back into the mid normal range, you can relax and move ahead. I have a question, if you don't mind. How old is your wife? Uh, seventy eight. Seventy seven. Well, seventy seven. She's a beautiful and young. Seventy seven. Wonderful. So, when yeah. you're asking about hormones, back to the the previous comment, is at seventy seven. Unless you're on hormone replacement, women are in menopause and have no circulating anabolic hormones that are going to build muscle and bone, and that includes jawbone. So one of the things we often find with older women who are not on hormones is they get a necrosis of the jaw a little bit more easily. Infections do a little more damage. So if that's uh, one of the findings on the imaging, 
aging that she has thinner bones the comment go see about hormone replacement she might want to make sure she's had her bone density scan done recently and get evaluated for osteoporosis because that's very likely the other thing too if she is osteoporotic she might be on some medications that could have caused the jawbone thinning in the first place as well Uh, so that there they go back and forth with each other yeah she's been on hormone therapy for about 20 years and uh, she has had a bone density uh, scan. Uh, she was on, what was that? Flossamax. for five years uh, some time ago. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, she quit after the five years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, since then, she's not been on anything for osteoporosis. Oh, I take, she's taking bone guard for day. Yeah. Okay. Well... Given my druthers, I'd rather do testosterone and estradiol, but that's a whole Not on the issue. jaw. <laughs> yeah, she's getting on that. On the whole body. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, the music well, says yeah. we got to go. Okay, so, Ray. Thank you take for the a call, break. Sir. Thank you for Bye-bye. the call. Opens up a line for you at 800-465-8770. This is Leading Edge Medicine, brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinic. Back in just a moment. Leading Edge Medicine. Leading Edge Medicine. Listen to past programs by going to lmclinic.com. Call in now at 1-800-465-8770. That's 1-800-465-8770. Longevity Medical Clinic is happy to announce that Longevity Development, the business and marketing arm of Longevity Medical Clinic, has entered a strategic management relationship with Paramount Pharmacy. As a medical clinic, we cannot tell anyone where they have to go to fill their compounded prescriptions. We can only make suggestions. But for the last two years, we have referred our patients to Paramount Pharmacy for three key reasons. Excellent quality control excellent pricing, and excellent customer service. And now, due to our new management oversight and relationship, Longevity Development and Paramount are actually working together to better serve our patients. A team approach to better health care. It truly can make a difference. And now, to celebrate and to convince you that we truly feel we can better serve your health needs while saving you money, Paramount has agreed to make an offer to all new patients willing to give Paramount to try. On your first prescription only, Paramount is offering you a 90-day supply for their 30-day cost. That's right, a 90-day prescription for the 30-day cost. All you need to do is call Paramount at 425-251-1660. It's as simple as that. Call 425-251-1660. Man, I feel like a woman. All right, Shania. I guess she's uh, starting her residency uh, concerts back in Vegas here soon. That might be one reason to go to Vegas. It is Leading Edge Medicine. Mark in for Lynette today and taking your calls at 800-465-8770. And uh, we do need some calls. Know what uh, what's going on with the calls today? Kind of light? Maybe because it's been so hot, it's finally cooling off a little bit and people feel safe to go outside. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. 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 
No idea. Yeah, yesterday was a quite a bit cooler than the rest of the oh, week. Oh, yes, yeah. it was. And yeah. then I think today you said Jerry is going to be hot again? It was not really hot. 80. 80. Oh, okay. Pe- peak up. of 80. So, you know, that's warmer than yesterday, which was 76 or 77. But, you know, we're so much luckier than the rest of the country. I mean, you oh, hear yeah. the news and it's like, ah. I know. I have friends down in Texas that <clears throat> send me messages every day. It's 110. Wow. <laughs> Wow. When I was in Arizona, I called it 100 and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dr. Right. Brazel, tell us what's been going on with your wrist. You've had some exp- uh, some recent experience that you wanted to discuss today. Well, so I had a little injury a couple months ago. I was power gardening. As you know, I like to garden, and I got a little enthusiastic, and then I went bike riding because I love to bike ride over on the Burke Gilman Trail, and I overstrained my hand and got a little sprain. And I took care of it because I know how to do these things, and I got a little guard. But it just didn't get better because I kept doing things <laughs> while I was wearing my guard because I felt like I knew better. And so my hand uh, sprain turned a little bit into an inflammation called de Quervain's tenosynovitis. And it's like carpal tunnel but on the thumb side. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have chronic repetitive stress injury. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's arthritis. Maybe mm-hmm. it's carpal tunnel. But I think everyone calls carpal tunnel the catch-all Sure. Name for anything like a rotator cuff in the shoulder. That's right. Exactly, it's just yeah. the thing everyone calls it, but maybe that isn't it. And it's not always arthritis. So I had uh, I had an X-ray. Of course, it wasn't broken. Thankfully, I had to make sure that I hadn't done something silly because I'd gotten a little sporty that day. Um, and then it wasn't healing as well as it should. And I like to be active in the summer. We've been waiting all winter to get outside, so it was really hard for me to not do as many things as I like to do. And so, uh, nonetheless, it got to the point where it got worse and I couldn't type my doctor notes. Um, so, uh, of course, uh, when you slow down, I mean, on you your, had to actually dictate. Well, I dictate, but you always have to do a little editing to yes, make sure it do. looks pretty. Yes, pretty. you do. Yeah, yeah. Those uh, dragons don't listen to you, you know. They're they don't. And so, when I naughty. realized I couldn't get through a simple uh, typing of a note without some discomfort, I thought this is really stupid. So, I went ahead and called uh, ProLiance Hand, Wrist, and Elbow um, over uh-huh. in Kirkland, and they worked me in right away um, the next day. Which I, I got lucky; I had a slot where. They had a, a cancellation and got me in, and I saw Dr. Galley, and he gave me the work, you know, looked over, said this is exactly what it is, and gave me a shot, nice. and I was on the way. What was interesting about that is that these it's very hard to get help for your hand anymore, it turns out, mm. because it's so delicate. Yeah. So I'd actually called a few other people that I knew, uh-huh. and everyone didn't want to do it because the hand can increase your risk of injury if they put an injection in. So they'll give you all sorts of drugs at the urgent care, but they won't give you a shot in your hand. So I kept getting sent to the ER, and I thought that's a waste of time and money, but maybe not the right place. So Dr. Galley did a great job and listened and took care of it. And then the next day, I sent a smiling photo of myself to Dr. Umat. Um, and uh, and it was right. easy to t- easier yeah. to catch up on my notes. I got that picture, and you know, um, <clears throat> when I was in the office, she was giving me a fake smile and I said I want a real smile <laughs> so Jenny took yeah. the photo and she sent it to me I said okay now this is a real smile <laughs> anyway, so I wanted to thank Dr. Galley of course he doesn't know that I'm on the radio but he did a great job and they just took care of me right away and it worked I mean this was about two months of 
things getting a little better, then a little worse, then a little better. And at some point, you just want to get back to the things you love to do. Why do we, yeah. do, why do we go to longevity? We love to do our life. We like to do That's things. Right. We like to stay active. That's right. And, you know, today's message is even the doctors need help. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Even the doctors. Even the host. We're, uh, you know, we're, well, my, we're human beings. Yeah, right. yeah. Flawed, fallible beings. And, you know, we, we do our best, but... I think my patients find out that they would assume that as a doctor, I have a magic button I can press every time I have a need and I'm immediately taken care of. And one of the things that comes back to me repeatedly from my patients is the difficulty navigating the modern post-COVID healthcare system. And so, of course, we all know individually the disasters that that can lead to, but the frustration. So it was useful for me as a physician to see what my patients go through all the time and how hard it is to get simple care something that shouldn't land you in the ER for four hours, a couple hundred dollars of copay, ramped up imaging, over treatment, and waste of time. I mean, that's four to six hours. And, and, just and what you small, needed right. was a small corticosteroid injection. About a 15-minute visit, 30 yeah. if your doctor's really <laughs> but, but, you know, Jerry, she's right in that pre-COVID, this was not an issue. No. She could have gotten an appointment the same day to see somebody who could have taken care of her within a week or so, right? Yes. Now here we are two months later, she's a medical provider, and she can't get in to be seen. Yes. And, and everyone's busy, and so they're not turning me down because I'm trying to be pushy. It's because they just don't have the time. Everybody's overbooked, double booked. Yeah. And so for this particular slot, it was an emergency slot they kept open. So it was the on-call physician. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to take care of it before it became an emergency problem, and I couldn't. And I think that's what we're finding with a lot of our patients. They have to, They can get care when it's dramatic or traumatic or well past should have been taken care of preventatively a while ago and that of course leads to worse outcomes for a lot of things but also patients coming to us at longevity and going i don't even want to be in the primary care office anymore and i say well you have to go right there's things we don't do for you but we want to keep you out of there as often as possible because we know that uh the system can't accommodate everybody's needs anymore the question is why you know, there are no more people than there used to be. There are fewer doctors, though, in, in practice. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's our issue. We've got the same number of people, basically. The population is not growing that fast, really. Yeah. I mean, if, if you look at what's happening in the United States, our women are not having enough babies to replace themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at just the, the American-born population, there's fewer and fewer of us every year because they're, you know, so we are totally dependent on immigration, to keep our population even stable, much less growing. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is there are fewer doctors and nurses, and part of that was because of the stupidity of our politicians mm-hmm. and their dictates that nurses and technicians and all the people that worked in the hospital had to be vi- had to be vaccinated or fired. Mm-hmm. And a fair number of medical workers, doctors and nurses, looked at that and said, "I don't want the vaccine." Like what, 30%? Yeah, one, a high percentage. Yeah. And, so, and so they, they ended up laying off and firing an awful lot of healthcare workers. So now you've got fewer people to provide the American, for the American population. Mm-hmm. The other problem, of course, is people put things off mm-hmm. because the, the uh, medical facilities were working at bare bones levels Mm -hmm. and they discourage you from going in so people weren't going in to get their cancer screenings and all the other stuff and so 
their diseases got worse. And now we're treating a sicker population with fewer medical workers. And doctors are so miserable in the current system that everybody who can retire is. And so, so the doctors and nurses that can retire are getting the heck out mm-hmm. because the system sucks so bad. Mm. Well, our older, more experienced doctors who've been around 30, 40 years who know how to take time with their patients, they've had these long-time relationships, have to adapt to the modern technology, the Medicare uh, software requirements, uh, integrating into a big hospital system, and they'd rather, you know, take so off the shingle off the door than to move into these bigger systems. Yeah, yeah, indeed, the EMR has been a huge downfall in terms of how much time they take away from physician-patient contact yep. and into just, you know, um, computer contact has increased. But the, that's being driven by the fact that the government wants to know who's doing what Mm -hmm. they all because the government is paying a large percentage of the medical bills and the guys making the paying the bills makes the rules that's just a fact of life Mm -hmm. and so if medicare medicaid you know all of the government programs those government payers want to know that they're not being cheated Mm -hmm. and so in order to provide quote quality of care and avoid too much fraud Mm -hmm. They want to know as much as possible about every doctor and every patient in America. And so that means we all have to have electronic systems. Mm -hmm. But the electronic systems mean the doctors and nurses have to pay attention to the computer rather than the patient. Well, so that was interesting. I had to fill out a form and they said, do you want paper or do you want electronic? I'm going to go electronic. Um, but I had my one hand that wasn't working very well and the other one on the little screen trying to type it in and I handed it back to them. I'm like, I'm going to write these by hand and you can type them in. Uh, there's no way I can fill all of this out with one little finger. Yeah. Uh, they laughed. But that was because it was a, I couldn't lift the, the sure. tablet that they well, had. And, and I was the other day in an elevator and I saw this guy and he was typing furiously with one thumb. Uh-huh. You know? And uh-huh. we're just riding along and he's going, bah, 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 and that thumb is just moving like at the speed of light. And I'm saying, how does he do that? Yes. You know, as an old timer, I text, mm-hmm. but I do it with a finger tap, <laughs> tap, tap, <laughs> tap, you know. Um, he probably wrote 50 words in the time I could have done three. Well, you do see the younger um, generation are more adaptable with their phones, but then they grew up with these phones. We didn't. No. We just found them and started using them. I sometimes feel bad because this, there's so much technology on this that could help an older person, but they just don't know how to use it. Like, you know, I'll be on the road with one of my children and they have Google telling them all the directions and everything and, and it's smart and they can they can then do something else while they are, Google is talking to them about the directions. And I wish sometimes that it was easier for us older people to be able to use that same technology because it would really help. My Tesla just talks to me. But, well, uh, I know. Right, yeah, I don't have a Tesla. <laughs> Although Tesla has become a very common car now. Yes, I don't have one. In Seattle. <laughs> hey, we'll get to Mike in Seattle and Ron in Tequila after the break. Maybe one a call additionally, 800-465-8770. This is Leading Edge Medicine, brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinic. Come back in just a moment.
Leading Edge Medicine. Leading Edge Medicine. Don't believe the lie that you have to fall apart at the normal rate and see what your options really are at lmclinic.com. lmclinic.com. Stay tuned for more of the show. If you have chronic pain and are considering stem cell therapy, consider the only doctor with over 30 years of experience with pain medicine techniques, including stem cell therapy. And that's Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, with Eastside Pain and Regenerative Medicine. Here's what a satisfied patient had to say. I would say Dr. Nelson is a great guy. He's very personable, makes you feel very comfortable, as does the staff. Everything went well. I had the stem cell injections, and within a month... I really had a change in my knee. It was uh, unbelievable to me, honestly. I thought there'd be more pain involved with the procedure, and there was hardly any. Uh, it was amazing, and I've told a lot of people about it. After having it for two years now, it worked tremendously. Glad I did it. You should consider stem cell therapy, but call a medical doctor with experience. Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, 425 823 4000. That's 425-823-4000 or danielnelsonmd.com. Welcome back to Leading Edge Medicine. Dr. Mixon, Dr. Umat, and Dr. Brazel in studio this week to take your call. 800-465-8770. Might be able to fit in one more call, but we do have two people on the line. First, let's go to line one, Mike in Seattle, with a question about toenails. Mike, why don't you elaborate, Mike? Michael, I suggest you have ten of them. That would be a good suggestion, Dr. Mixon. I think so. That's a safe, safe, safe suggestion. Good guess. Okay. Um, uh, I have toenail fungus, and I just want to know what would be the best method of um, getting that removed. Okay. Don't cut it off. <laughs> the toe or the toe. Um, okay. Uh, my favorite method for a toenail fungus is I have the compounding pharmacist make me up a solution of one of things like a, a terabane or one of the, the, the antifungal agents uh, that you could take by mouth, and you simply put a couple of drops of it at the edge of the nail bed where the, the toenail is just growing out of the tissues and you just put that little bit on there every day or so. Toenails grow slowly mm. so you have to treat it for six months to a year to totally let that nail grow out mm. and replace all of the old fungus infected nail because the, the fungus actually grows um, within the toenail. Uh, the the toenail is laminar. It's actually laid down in multiple skinny, thin layers. And the fungus gets between those layers. And it's actually growing in the part of the nail that doesn't have an active blood supply. And that's why it's so hard to kill. So by putting the medicine right at the base where the nail is growing out of the live tissue, the new nail that grows in won't have fungus in it. But you have to wait till it's totally grown out and all the old infected nail is gone. And that can take a long time. But rather than taking pills, it's a lot easier just to 
put a few drops on the toenail each morning when you before you put on your shoes and socks. Okay. Sounds good. My favorite. Mm-hmm. Does that work for you, Mike? Uh, yeah, I think that'll do. All right. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, take yeah. care, sir. Bye-bye. Well, some people also talk about soaking the feet in baking soda, maybe some vinegar or using, you know, yeah. vinegar on the toenail. Yeah, the trick is you got to get it into the nail, though. And that's why you have to soak and soak and soak. Right. Because you have to give it time. What happens is the, as the fungus is growing between those la- laminar layers, right. it spreads mm-hmm. the layers. And that's why the toenail looks thick, because right. it's actually spreading the layers. Well, now that you've got that spread, if you soak it long enough in warm vinegar solutions and so on, that acid will be able to work its way slowly into the nail. Right. And the the toenail doesn't tolerate that very low pH very well. But um, the problem is while you clear up that first part, that area where the nail, the fungus is still very small, close to the the top of the nail it doesn't it doesn't get the fluid in there very well mm. and that's why i kind of like to do that mm. as it grows out mm. yeah in the summertime too i would say maybe avoid wearing socks as much as possible leave it open to the air yeah uh, although most ladies with toenail funguses don't want ugly toenails to show well they paint them and, yeah i was going to say just paint them <laughs> 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 uh, guys usually don't paint their na- their toenails most don't is that changing okay moving on to uh line two ron in tuckwilla you have a question for the doctors what's your question ron Hello, ron hi hi dr mixon uh i have a sciatic nerve pain and i know you've talked about vertiflex as has dan nelson and you had the Vertiflex procedure done. Mm-hmm. I want to know how it's working for you after a year or two and where you can get it done because I believe Dan doesn't do it anymore. No, but it's still done at his clinic. There are some other people there who do do it. Um, but yeah, my Vertiflex is totally, I'm totally pain free. Uh, just absolutely 100% fixed the issue. So, you know, I'm. I'm a believer because I got great results with it. It was an easy procedure. I went in the morning, um, you know, skipped breakfast. They did the procedure. I was home by 10 or 11 o'clock. I lay on the couch for two hours or so and watched daytime TV and was so disgusted with that. I got up and went to the <laughs> office and went to work. So, <laughs> so I took half a day off work. That was my, that was my experience with the surgery. So why aren't they doing it anymore? Uh, basically, the orthopedic surgeons want to do it instead of having the the pain doctor do it. So he could still go to an orthopedic surgeon the, and get it The done. orthopedists in the same clinic are still doing it. Okay. Dan just didn't want to have to fight with him about it. Ah. So is the vertiflex replacing a vertebra that's been crushed or replacing no. the disc no. between the vertebra? No. It's it, like it a jack. Yeah, 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 yeah it's, it's like a little tiny slide jack, and they they just put it in between those those process spinous processes, spinous processes yeah. and spread them open by a few millimeters, and that old calcium layers that have been laid down from the chronic inflammation 
are now separated and you get room for the nerve. Nice. So with so, the with the disc um, degenerating over time mm-hmm. uh, and the disc space narrowing, mm-hmm. you have bone on bone, but at the same time, the spinous processes in the back are also connecting to each other. Mm-hmm. And so if you separate them a little bit, like a jack, then you can just allow room for the nerves to exit without good. changing anything yeah. else. So it took a little one-inch incision right. and slide it in, 15-minute procedure, jack it open till the nerve is is released you're done so that's um releasing the space on the nerve the nerve compression yeah and of course with sciatica we don't know if it's coming from the nerve itself or the muscles around the nerve well dan did a good exam and he sent me down for nerve conduction studies yeah so we knew where our problems were and Right, and you're right in that it will only help in that certain area. If you are getting compression down the pathway of the nerve, it's not going to help that. So, you know, first diagnosis, then therapy. Right, yeah. But, you know, go get somebody to take a quick look and see if that's what you need. It certainly worked for me. All right, take okay, care. Okay, thanks, sir. Ron. Bye-bye. Question, I haven't heard your guy. I'm sure you've talked about it. What is your opinion on chiropractic for these issues? Is, uh... You know, I don't understand chiropractic very well. There's A lot of this universe exists without my approval. You know? <laughs> um, so what is just is. The thing with chiropractic is there are, there are studies that show people who go to a chiropractor for back pain get well faster and go back to work faster than those who see SMDs. So whatever they're doing is working better than what we do. But when I look at the chiropractors, every chiropractor has a totally different method. And some of them are doing very invasive, very hard, and some are doing these little tiny tap, tap, taps with a ballpoint pen-like sort of thing that can't put an ounce of pressure. And they're all getting results with dramatically different methodologies. So I don't understand the physiology of what's going on. I understand, you know, Palmer's original theory back from the early 20th century, but his theory makes no sense to me either. And certainly, I I don't know anybody using his original methods anyway. So I don't know. Um, Something's happening. I don't have to understand it. If it works, it works. You know, the universe does not wait on my approval to exist. Yeah. I use a chiropractor regularly over here in Kirkland, Dr. Dan Prentice. He's a great, uh, old-fashioned, I'd say, chiropractor because he spends a lot of time with the hands on the body. Uh And as a naturopath, I was trained in this. Before I went to naturopathic school, I was a massage therapist and had significant personal experience as well as working for physical therapy offices. Chiropractors have different styles, different trainings, different philosophies. Mm -hmm. And I think the most important part of finding one other than does my insurance pay for it is does this person align with how I feel so Mm -hmm. if someone's pushing you into a program you don't feel comfortable with it's just not going to work for you Um, I like a doctor who's a little more holistic with the body if you have a sore foot you're going to have a knee that's a little bit out a hip that's a little out a low back that's a little out and if they don't address all of that and just adjust the foot everything else is still going to be sore and that's been my approach and i see him twice a month and i call it my tune-up and it keeps Uh me from uh, feeling like i just fell down the stairs so when i don't go long enough everything collapses and it keeps my joints flexible and mobile but when things don't work you're getting imaging you're going to be getting a workup at a little higher order so with back to sciatica sometimes a 
an adjustment is an appropriate response, and sometimes mm. imaging is an appropriate response. Mm. Uh, but not every chiropractor adjusts you at the intensity level that yeah. you feel comfortable with. I think most people fear that neck adjustment that they see in the movies, and they oh. do that loud sound crack in the yeah. background that makes everybody flinch like a horror movie. Yeah. And it's not like that most of the time. I don't like that adjustment myself because I have a, I'm easy to get out of space, so I don't, I don't need a lot of pressure in there, and he'll tap with his finger or stretch the fascia and that's often enough to release my neck with just a little bit of movement instead of the crunch. Okay. Uh, I'm not a nutcracker yeah. <laughs> but I sound like one when we're done. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> see, I don't go to a chiropractor. I just let yeah. my wife rub my back. Yeah. Neither do I. I don't go to a <laughs> but chiropractor then again, either. <laughs> I love it when she rubs oh. me. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So me uh, off of the medication, which is nice. because. But you know, massage therapy is great. Yes. Uh, you know, the yes. endorphins that are released, the relaxation on the muscle, all of it is a positive experience. No matter who does it. <laughs> yeah. yep. Jury's out on chiropractic, it sounds like. Well, yeah, I, like I said, something's happening, and I, I don't have to understand it. If it works, it works. Okay, before we go today, be sure and book your free health analysis appointment at 866-86-YOUNG. You can also schedule an appointment at lmclinic.com, Kirkland, Tacoma, and Linwood for your locations for this uh, procedure. Thanks again to the doctors in studio this week, including specialist uh, Dr. Brassel with us. We'll see you next time on Leading Edge Medicine.